right, we're going to get into a conversation talking about tech. The age of plenty is over, at least according to our next guest, who's a senior fellow at the Center for International Governance Innovation, Neil Desai. Neil, thanks so much for making the time for the show. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Chelsea. Okay, so you've written an article talking about that exact title for tech the age of plenty is over its growth at all costs model must change okay so some hard-hitting words there a big statement let's talk a little bit about the age of plenty when it comes to tech what does that really mean let's dive into techonomics and what it's been looking like in canada for the last several years yeah and techonomics isn't a canadian phenomenon it's a global phenomenon and through the last generation specifically in the software business there's been this economic boom where people with ideas or even um, kind of early stage technology um, were raising oodles of capital on the prospect of these reoccurring business models where they could sell a, a monthly subscription or annual subscription and, and, and raise incredible amounts of money on the prospect of those subscriptions being renewed for decades on end. And companies were getting 20 times their revenue um, um, in their valuations without any sort of uh, validation of their business model and that the fact that the customers would come back month after month, year after year. And really, a lot of this was fueled by low interest rates and investors who were looking for big returns. Um, they didn't want, if I can use the baseball analogy, singles and doubles. They only wanted home runs. Hmm. And now we're seeing those businesses starting to flounder because they're highly dependent on their next capital raise within their business model. And frankly speaking, investors aren't coming to their rescue because interest rates, which are fueling those investors, have gone up sharply in the last year. So we're really seeing businesses um, in the tech-enabled space and the software space hurting badly. And I think, um, you know, if I project forward, I think we're going to see bankruptcies and opportunistic uh, M&A from, from tech companies that were more cash prudent. So I want to get into that a little bit about what those threats really look like. What does that mean for Canadians? But can you give us an example of some companies that were really experiencing this boom? Bring it to life for us a little bit. What companies, what software giants and companies are we talking about here? Well, I think that, you know, if I, I, I mentioned software, so I appreciate you asking me that. But the problem was the business model of reoccurring revenue that, that's driven largely by software because valuable intellectual property can be protected and you can't copy my idea because mm. I hold a patent and therefore I could sell you a subscription that you need that's dependent, your life is dependent on it, your business is dependent on it, something like Shopify, for example, which is a very strong business. You know, investors and, and founders were applying that business model to products that frankly weren't technology enabled. You know, let me give you one example. In Toronto, there was a pizza joint called General Assembly. And it put out a prospectus to go public on the Toronto Stock Exchange Venture Exchange. And they raised uh, $13 million on the prospect of selling subscription pizza to people. Um, this assumption that, you know, month after month, you'd get the same pizza from the same joint. And they wanted a, a tech valuation, you know, 20 times revenue. Um, with no validation that they could actually achieve this. With no data on the churn, those customers that would cancel after a few months. Um, and they had to write down uh, pretty much all of that investment and sell off that portion of their business to another company who's now putting those pizzas in freezers and grocery stores, something that's more traditional. So, so this economics model was not just being applied to software. It was actually going um, to other businesses that were actually less, um, they, they felt a lot less like software. Another example is Bolt. I'm sure in, in city streets from your listeners, they might see these scooters kicking around. Mm -hmm. And companies were financing with, with, with capital raises, dropping off these scooters in major um, urban municipalities around the world. 
and they wanted tech valuations because they had a, a proprietary platform in their mind um, with a payment system that allowed you to jump on that scooter for you know half an hour or an hour. The problem was all of their business model um, um, inferences were the fact that riders would ride them the same way every day, week, month, and year, and that's not the case. Um, you know, what we're seeing a lot of these business now floundering, and even in their business plan on the best scenarios, they still had capital raises in their plan 16, 24 months ahead. Couldn't and that capital is now not available to them. Couldn't you easily look at that and say that that's a flawed model? People don't have the same predictive behaviors day after day or month after month. It is, and, and you'd, you'd expect investors um, um, to be a bit more astute in their evaluation of these companies, but it was, you know, folks chasing what was hot. Tech right. has been so hot. If you look at, um, you know, um, uh, the Fortune 1000, the top of that, the top, you know, 10% of that are tech companies like Meta, Google, um, uh, Salesforce, and, and people feel like they're missing out. That FOMO kicks in. Mm. The problem is you gotta, you got to actually read into these businesses. Do they have anything proprietary, anything with customer data that's verifiable? And we didn't see that. We, we, saw, we saw companies selling um, um, investors um, on the prospect of building something. They had no technology. And, and the real challenge here in Canada, and I want to get to the Canadian angle on this, is that you know, it, it, I have no issue with investors making a big bet and losing. You know, that, that, is, that is a market working. Hmm. But the problem here is in Canada, we are overexposed as taxpayers, unlike any other country in the world, to, to start up tech. Um, our government invests some of the highest amounts in, in the rich world in startup activity through tax credits, um, through grants, through investments in incubators, accelerators, and universities. So, so every Canadian, regardless of whether you invested directly in these companies or not, you're exposed to the economics problem. So is there, is there nothing but doom and gloom moving forward then, Neil? Should, what should Canadians do? So I think from the, the hope I have is that from the ashes, you'll see um, much more reasonable business models emerging. Um, so, so my optimism is that companies that frankly shouldn't chase this, this um, economics model, you know, there's great businesses out there that provide a service and, and, you know, they develop that service for a dollar and sell it for two and they profit one and they reinvest. Or there's product companies that do that. Not everyone has to have reoccurring revenue. So I think we're getting a resetting on the expectations both of founders of these companies and investors. So that's glass half full. Glass half empty is this generative AI revolution that's going on that seems to be um, re-emboldening the investors um, to these reoccurring revenue models and going back to trying to swing for the fences. So that's the part that makes me nervous. You mentioned in your article as well uh, that you wrote for the Globe and Mail that techonomics, and, and I like the way that you've stated this exactly, you say techonomics are being kept on life support in Canada and globally with the breakthrough of generative artificial intelligence. Can you expand on that, Neil? Yeah, so I mean, there's an assumption that all of these AI companies just came about yesterday and they, they, they <laughs> solved the generative AI um, challenge yesterday. The, the company at the heart of the generative AI revolution that's going on, OpenAI, was founded in 2015. They have yet to make real revenue on um, their product, ChatGPT. Um, the other big platform technology companies like Google, Microsoft, etc., are not making oodles of revenue on their plays on generative AI. And what I'm seeing in the um, advisory world to, to young startups and to um, and, uh, universities um, who are advising young founders 
is that they're just saying, well, you know what? Economics is going to come back, so make sure you have a AI play. And that's not just even within the technology. They're telling you just market it. And, and that borders, you know, um, fraud, if you ask me, that, that unless you have something that's proprietary under the hood that actually will generate you reoccurring revenue without increasing your costs, you frankly should not model your business on economics. It, it, it's interesting, you know, whether it's AI or some of these other companies that you're mentioning, it seems to me that at the heart of this conversation, it's 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 greed. It's investors that are trying to make a quick buck with these overnight success stories. And maybe we just need to learn to be a bit more patient than that. Yeah, listen, I, I do believe um, an incredible breakthrough takes long, patient capital, but the alignment has to be there, right? Well, what is right. the story we're telling the investors? Like, how many how many investors in growth tech um, are reading these perspectives. Like the idea that a pizza company that's sending you a pizza in the mail every month should be getting um, a 20 times revenue valuation as though none of those people are going to cancel a subscription is crazy to me. Right. Um, and the fact that we're going to do it again without evaluating the business model and the data behind that, um, I do want people to invest in long-term, high-risk um, um, ideas that are going to change our world, sure. whether that's drug research or generative AI. And you know what? I even want my government doing that. What I don't want them doing is taking things that are, are borderline fraudulent um, and saying, well, we're kind of like those guys and we create, came up with a data model that kind of looks like them and no one's validating that. That to me is where um, this all falls apart. And, and like I said, my, my greatest concern is for the average Canadian who's not investing in these companies but is exposed to this. Um, you know, there's a great adage that I love. Um, it's a famous Canadian poker player, Canada Bill Jones, who once said, it's a crime to let a sucker keep his money. You know what? For those investors who threw money at, at bad debts, you know, so sorry. But who, are, who my sympathies lie with are the, those who are hearing from our politicians that, that investment in startups um, is going to be the diversification of the Canadian economy we need to improve our productivity. They're being sold a false bill of goods right now. Neil, I really appreciate your insight and your perspective this afternoon. Thank you so much for making the time. Thanks so much for having me. Of course, anytime. That's Neil Desai, Senior Fellow for the Center of International Governance Innovation uh, and wrote an article about this. It's in the globeandmail.com if you want to check it out. It's called For Tech, The Age of Plenty is Over. Its growth at all costs model must change.